1: Welcome to the Steelers Outpost podcast, episode 11. And Nicholas, there is your early Christmas present. The Pittsburgh Steelers 40, the Tennessee Titans 17.
2: Boom. Boom. Love it. Well, we've this been waiting is the best week, week of the year. year. Yep, not only did the Steelers finally get over 30 points, they uh, added added some style into the thing and dropped a 40-burger on them, beating a very solid Titans team who was 6-2 and two coming into the game. Obviously dropped to six and three after getting dominated by the Pittsburgh Steelers. You got to see the offense finally come alive and do pretty much what we thought it was capable of, even though it wasn't a perfect game. Steelers still blew them out of the water.
1: Well, what's great is that we went from a team that ha- could score forty points a game on paper to finally uh, actualizing that potential. So good to see that. But before we move any further, there is a news flash, and it's news not flash, good,
2: ladies and gentlemen. Marcus yeah. Gilbert
1: suspended for four games. Woo. Where did that come from?
2: Well, it wouldn't be a Steelers season uh, in the Killer Bees era without a suspension in there. So Marcus Gilbert took one for the team. He knows that it's a motivating factor these days. Martavis, uh, he's out of he's out of lives basically with that. So I mean, he has no choice but to walk the straight and narrow. So so I guess Gilbert went and got himself a little suspension. He apologized for it already. He's not going to appeal the suspension. He's going to serve the suspension. Uh, Not ideal because he is one of the best right tackles in the entire NFL. But luckily for the Steelers, there is some depth. And obviously, uh, Gilbert's already missed a bunch of time this year. And we have Chris Hubbard to fill in for him, who, you know, isn't quite as good as Gilbert. But you got to feel good about him.
1: Yeah. So if we're going to lose somebody, this might be this stretch of games is probably as good a time as any between Gilbert and uh, Finney if he needs to come in for somebody else who might go down. So not not ideal, but it's not as if we just lost Ben.
2: Right. Well, and, and knock on wood too. But you're right. It's the right – it is the right part of the schedule. The Steelers already beat the Ravens and, and the Bengals when Gilbert wasn't playing. I saw a cool stat um, – a telling stat from Steelers Depot on their Twitter account saying that Gilbert has actually only played 279 snaps this whole season. So that's less than 40 percent of all the snaps. And there have been some articles out there showing Ben's statistics are significantly better when Gilbert plays. And I think they've, they're five and O in the games that Gilbert Gilbert has played in. But I'm I'm going to attribute some of that to, to the Steelers heating up a little bit later in the season. Obviously we're not going to make the contention that Hubbard's as good as Gilbert. He's not, but this is something that the Steelers should be able to weather and who knows, maybe it'll be a blessing in disguise. He'll get that hammy all healed up in time for uh I guess the uh, Texans game, and then he'll be ready for the deep playoff push. So, we just wanted to tackle that at the beginning of the show. Usually, we like to keep those things awkward and not talk about the big news until the end of the show, like Joe Hayden's injury and Martavis's uh, drama. But we're tackling it at the beginning, so that's that. Gilbert's out for the next four games.
1: Well, let's go into the themes of the game and the- three major themes. The first one, uh, we didn't bury the lead. We we revealed this right away. Obviously. Benjamin and the offense returned to form. Returned to form, actually, of two years ago. But uh, right. it was glorious to see them clicking. And we'll talk about some some mistakes that were made. But you step back and just admire the
2: 40 glowing on the top of the mountain. Uh, it was beautiful. And we will get into more detail later on in the show. But it, you're right. It looked like Steelers from two years ago, where Ben was really a field general And uh, he took over the game. And he kind of picked up almost right where he left off in the second half of that Colts game where he really started to heat up again. And like we said, we've been seeing incremental progress from him the whole year. Um, Obviously, Juju has helped and, and Martavis is even kind of crawling along, making some plays. But that was definitely his best game it was a great time for him to do it and uh, made for a very happy friday and and sunday knowing that you already had a 40 burger victory uh, going into the week theme
1: number two as you said not a perfect game but still a handy win with
2: 40 points we have some reoccurring issues same stuff that's been plaguing the Steelers all season third down was putrid four of 12 defense gave up A giant pass play. Ben was sacked. I think this was the most he was ever sacked in a game three times. And run game wasn't that great. We're going to go into detail of all these things later. But we've mentioned this a couple weeks in a row. Another big theme is that the Steelers are winning when they're clearly not even playing their best football. And they are showing trackable and obvious signs that they are inching towards getting better every week. And when when you beat good teams and you're not even playing your best football... That's a great sign for a championship-caliber team. So it wasn't perfect, but it was good enough to crush a potential playoff team.
1: The number three, defense wreaks havoc. Mm-hmm. So as you pointed out, I mean, we were uh, five sacks and four interceptions. I mean, finally turned that around from uh, two games ago that we had that five interception game from Ben. Felt good to be yeah. on the receiving end of that, no pun intended.
2: Well, it's funny that you mentioned that because these – The four interceptions that we snagged on Thursday and with Ben throwing zero, that actually got the Steelers back uh, into the black, if you will, with the turnover differential. So I don't know if they're at zero or plus one right now, but, um, man, huge one. It's funny. (laughs) I don't know how many people are talking about the sky falling when Mariota throws four interceptions. It seems funny to look back on Ben and and, then think, Everyone decided his career was over after that game. But here at Steelers Outpost, we were not saying that. We said it was a bad game, but it wasn't as bad as it looked, and he's going to be fine. And look what he did last night. Pretty awesome. So those are the three main themes we're going to get down and dirty to. They nitty it gritty as we go along to the grades and stuff like that. But let's move on to everybody's favorite segment, five pivotal plays. Five pivotal plays. Well,
1: interestingly, AB shows up twice in our list. Uh, the first from the 40-yard free, free play pass for a touchdown.
2: Yeah, we've been saying, again, the whole year, I'm going to pat us on the back repeatedly over and over again, and I'm not going to admit any of the things that we got wrong, just FYI for everybody out there. If Ben just starts completing a couple more of these deep passes, we don't need him to get back up to the percentage that he was two years ago, although that would be nice. But even if you just make one or two of these per game, It flips the field. You're going to get big touchdowns. It changes the complexion of the game. So he completed that. They get a touchdown out of it. It's also another touchdown on the first drive of the game. Now, most people who are watching football know, and if you don't, um, I guess most big fans would know this. More casual fans may not realize, but the first drive of every game from every team, it's scripted. These are like your best plays that you've designed all week, that should specifically work against this team that you're playing against. So that's why you kind of saw the Steelers start with a lot of five-wide stuff against the Titans team that's not good at stopping in the pass. So you see this beautiful drive, and Ben finally completes one of those deep balls. Great job looking off the safety. Great throw. Great catch by AB. Big touchdown start, 7-0, under the lights, at home. You can feel it in your plums that they're about to start to pour it on on these guys. That's That's number one. Pivotal
1: play number two, Mike Hilton's interception on the first drive, which is glorious. Great way to start, as usual. We come out of the gate really strong. And I actually could have put any one of those interceptions on here, but we'll give the silver bullet credit on the first pivotal play.
2: Yeah, we're going to go with the silver bullet one just because I think a lot of people are going to complain. It would be pretty sweet if the Steelers had cashed in on that. They were at like the... 20-yard line, 10-yard line? They were in the red zone for the Titans after Hilton's interception. They ended up with the field goal, but the Titans had run two plays before that. The Steelers were already up 7-0. That was a huge play where you could have almost not sealed the game within the first five minutes but gotten close to doing that. Now, getting out to a 10-point lead is great, but in the future, if they get a gift like that and you can go up 14-0 on a team, especially against a team that doesn't want to pass – Like, that that's not their M.O. You're going to put them out of their comfort zone and in things that they don't want to do. So that was a crucial job by the defense, not just, you know, doing the bend-don't-break thing, but making a big play, and that could have sealed the game immediately. But regardless, it was nice to get up 10-3.
1: Well, kudos to Marcus Mariota. I mean, that guy on two occasions was this stop-that-six-point return.
2: Yeah, if we were doing Titans outposts, then I, I might actually... There's not a ton of things to write home about for the Titans, but his two times running down what Sensabaugh and the Silver Bullet, the man ran down the Silver Bullet for God's sake. I mean, that's saying a lot.
1: Little play number three. This is on the negative side of the ledger, but this is where the Titans had the 75-yard bomb on the first play of the second half to Rashard Matthews for a touchdown, burning Cody Sensabaugh and the not vaunted secondary.
2: Right. So this is happening every week now, which is great. Uh, I know who Richard Matthews is, but I had to look up how to spell his name. The dude spells his name with an I, Richard. Come on, man. It's French. We can't let can't let that happen. So uh, okay. I'm gonna go back to the back to the Woodhouse work on that French accent. But regardless, another huge pass play. That's three in two weeks. Not good stuff. Also, when the Colts, I think it was the second play of the second half. When the Colts threw their 60-yard touchdown, their second one of the day. This was, I think, the first or second play of the second half as well. So if I'm the Steelers, I'm going to sit back when the second half starts. The Titans coaches said after the game that they had drawn that play up at halftime based on some stuff that they were seeing the Steelers' secondary do. kind of sucks because Sensabaugh had that beautiful interception later in the game, which he kind of negated himself down back to zero by giving up that massive touchdown. But if the Steelers cut out those giant plays, oh my goodness, they'll be holding people to 10 points a game.
1: Well, maybe they should go to prevent for the first series in the second half. Mm, I like it. Speaking of the second half, a little more than six minutes to go in the... This is pivotal play number four. A little more than six minutes left in the third quarter. The Titans are driving, and they get down to the Steelers' 11 where Cam Hayward...
2: Drops Marcus Mariota for a 15-yard sack. Boom. That was a great play by Cam. Cam is legitimately in the running for defensive player of the year. We're going to talk about him later, but definitely a big play by him. They ended up making the field goal, so it it was more of just a third down stop than something that that took a score away. I'd say maybe even bigger play was, I think, the play before, two plays before when Delaney Walker dropped the wide-open touchdown pass Beautiful throw and read from Marcus Mariota. He got all the way behind the defense because that's how we do it in the secondary here. And super sure-handed guy, but not on that day. He dropped it, and some people are uh, asserting that that could have changed the whole complexion of the game. I don't know. The Steelers, after that point, rolled all over them. But but those things, you know, they do can change the complexion of the game. So well, look if that they, was a pretty big he- drop by him.
1: If they uh, get the touchdown rather than field goal, it's not 23-17. It's 23-21. Now they're a right. field goal away from a victory. So maybe it was a turning point. Pivotal play yeah. number five. AB's acrobatic helmet catch in the end zone.
2: Put a David Tyree on him. He is the greatest player to ever play football. It's hilarious. Over and over again, we keep saying, oh, my gosh, that's his best play. And then the next week, we're like, uh, we were wrong because his new best play was this play. This one might be the best of all of them. I don't know. That was unbelievable. It was the nail in the coffin. It looked good. It was a great throw. It was a skilled catch. Part of me wonders if he did it on purpose because he's that good.
1: You mean he predicted it? He set it up?
2: He said, I'm not going to use the other hand. Let me see if I can catch this with my helmet. Oh, I can. Cool. There's another million in my pocket.
1: Well, let's go into the grades. And let's start, as we always do, with the offensive grades. Offensive
2: grades. Offensive grades, indeed. And it should be a good day for that. The offense did a great job. You score 40 points. I mean, benefit off some turnovers, of course. But what did we have? Four touchdowns. That's more than we've had all season. It's a great job. There were some deficiencies, like we mentioned. The red zone and third down things. Situational football is still lacking. It's lackluster. It's nasty. We need to improve that stuff. But... I think the Steelers will be able to. The Titans are one of the best third-down defenses in the league, along with the Steelmen, actually. So here's the best thing about the offense. This is what I like the most. The thing about the Steelers' offense, what it's supposed to be, and what it has been for stretches, never consistently, but for stretches over the last four years, like the Killer Bees era— It's supposed to be a versatile offense that can kill you in any which way. A great elite offensive line, elite talent at wide receivers, elite quarterback, elite running back. You should be able to just look at the other team and sort of beat them Patriots style. The thing about the Patriots is they say, whatever your defense is bad at, that's what we're going to become on offense for that particular week. And that's what the Steelers did against the Titans. Titans are a great run-stopping team. But they struggle a little bit against the pass. Not to mention their Dick Dick LeBeau coach defense. And as much as we love him, we know that his defenses are susceptible to the death by efficient paper cuts. So the irony was not lost on me for that one.
1: Well, I thought it was interesting, uh, the use of the no huddle. And yeah, it was predicted for a Thursday night game, but it was uh it was really effective. And I didn't count how many they had, I think they had a dozen no huddle uh plays really effective and maybe that doesn't work on a Sunday but it seemed to be uh give the Ben give Ben a little space give him a little decision making and uh he took advantage of it so I don't don't know if they emphasize that in the future or not or that was just a matter of having a short work week
2: yeah I think a lot of people like the no huddle I believe Ben was actually 11 of 19 during the no huddle with the spike in there um For 100-something yards and a touchdown. And then he threw three touchdowns out of like 24 passes. I think it was like 16 to 24 or something like that um, out of the huddle. And the stats, if you look at them from the past few years, they're actually pretty even or a little bit better when Ben plays out of the huddle. But I think that there's a big enough sample size to realize now that something about the no huddle just gets Ben going. And he's talked about it himself before. And we talk about Ben being – Kind of a momentum based quarterback he's not i don't know how to describe it other than that but when he gets hot he's hotter than anybody else and when he has no rhythm we we see he can play some bad games so I agree that 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 was a great job by Todd haley finding out a way to get him into a rhythm so they played they played a great A great game overall, still some room to improve, but, man, four touchdown passes, that's pretty awesome. We're going to give the offense a grade of A-. A We're
1: going to talk about Ben in a little more detail now. He was 30 for 45, 299 total yards with four touchdown passes, no interceptions.
2: Yeah, he was slinging it out there. I loved that camera angle, by the way. I know it's for the real football nerds. I guess because we've been saying all season, sometimes it's hard to tell what's Ben's fault and what isn't because we can't really see downfield and see if people are open or not. And the Skycam doesn't show you the entire field gives you a much better view than what like the regular camera angle gives you. And it was great to see him actually spread out in five wide. He looked decisive. He was reading the defense, and he was making a lot more tight throws. The first throw of the game to A.B. on that sort of slant dig route, he threw it right off that linebacker's back shoulder. He had another really accurate pass to Juju on that kind of crossing pattern to the left side later. He he, he was really accurate, and he was very decisive. He was accurate on his deep ball, I think, as well, and he he took what the defense gave him. He did what the Patriots and the Raiders and all those teams used to do to to us when they figured out, oh, you can just spread out the Steelers and and just kill them, you know, string together these ten play drives. And only a few teams can do that. If Ben can do that on a consistent basis and you can choose whether we want to be the run team or the pass team, Steelers are gonna be lethal. So great game from Ben. Best game of the season. A plus.
1: Just like to add a couple of observations. We had uh Ben was kind of mediocre in the first half, passing wise. It's ten for twenty-two, under fifty percent. In the second half, was twenty for twenty-three, for a scorching, blistering eighty percent. Hopefully, my math is right. Thought um, that was interesting.
2: Yeah, it, it, when I rewatch, I rewatched the first half a couple times because I saw that ten for twenty-two. I'm like, man, that's pretty miserable. But honestly, there were a couple really nice plays made by Titans defenders. I thought he had an accurate pass to Juju or a Dory Jackson, uh, his college homie, by the way. Uh, both USC guys. Uh, Dory made a really nice play on the ball, and there were just um, there were a couple of good plays made by the Texans or by the Titans defense. Excuse me. I think that obviously we can tell he really heated up in the second half. But I still got to give him an A plus because I think if he plays like that, man, you're going to beat anybody.
1: Well, I was wrong. Eighty nine percent. Much better, 87%. So we'll move on to running back. uh, Le'Veon had 12 carries for 46 yards, nine receptions and 57 yards. So he did get over, uh, he got over 100 total production this last game.
2: Yeah, that's a bad game for Le'Veon Bell. The guy still gives you 100 yards of offense. So great for him. Uh, I still think that he's lacking a little bit of a burst, honestly. But the run blocking has not been great. And that is a great run defense. Both in talent and, and obviously the defensive coordinator, Dick LeBeau knows how to stop run games. But Le'Veon had a sweet blitz pickup earlier in the game when Ben threw a little bomb in the end zone to Martavis. He had a wrap around Ben and hit some sort of streaking boulder of a man. And he actually bounced off him, but he slowed down enough. Slowed him down enough so Ben could throw it without getting decapitated or seriously maimed.
1: Well, what was interesting is uh, James Conner came in in the third third series for two straight runs. Thought it was a little early in the game, especially for the fact that um, Le'Veon wasn't getting the ball at
2: all. It's not as if he was ineffective. He just wasn't getting the ball. Well, I think they are doing a smart thing and trying to get James Conner ready to be able to take some of these carries off of Le'Veon. He's still on pace for like third carries... Like the third, second or third highest usage rate ever, like in the history of the NFL. So we know that if James Conner can get 10 to 15 snaps a game, that's going to be great for him. Plus, he had just carried the ball, what, 31 times or touched it about 31 times only like four days ago. So short week, not a lot of rest. It's time to get James in there and in actual real situations and see what he can do. And hopefully he can improve that pass blocking. He didn't have anywhere to run on those two runs at all. But I like seeing him in there early. We got to we got to see what he can do. But Le'Veon didn't do anything wrong, didn't do anything great. We're going to give him a grade of B B
1: minus against Antonio Brown, 10 receptions, 144 yards, three touchdowns. A.B. Uh, has ascended back to the top of the pedestal.
2: Yeah, Antonio Brown's a really good football player. I feel like he's got a bright future ahead of him, and and he's done some pretty good things as far as football playing and wide receiving goes. Do you think he'll be in
1: sales upon retirement if he retires? Maybe like a, get if, a own a car
2: dealership? If he is, then we all know that business will be booming like it was on Thursday night against the Titans. Three touchdowns, dominator, 13 targets, 10 receptions. Again, catching jump balls over guys. Nobody knows how he does it. No need to spend any more time on this. He should be like a a dark horse MVP candidate. I don't think he would actually get the MVP for the NFL, but it would be nice to see him get some recognition for that because he just – his consistency and he just takes over games. It's crazy. Ten receptions, 144 yards, three teddies. Sweet. A.B. gets – and A+. plus,
1: Picking us to the other wide receivers, Juju and Martavis. Six receptions, 77 yards.
2: Yeah. We'd like to see them get over that 100-yard mark, which I think they got over uh, last week, which was mostly due to Juju, actually. But they both had some good catches in there. Juju was 4-for-47. He did a good job. You know, he's not going to have 90 yards every game. Marty was 2-for-30, kind of a similar game like he had last week against the Colts. I will say one bad thing, though, is I feel like Marty needs to make that catch in the end zone. On that play where Le'Veon picked up the blitz, Ben threw it, I think it was from the 20 or 30-yard line or something like that, and it was a tough catch, but the defender was turned around, and there was another safety coming over to make the hit. He didn't actually make contact with Martavis, but... Marty adjusted to the ball perfectly and got it squeezed between both of his hands and his chest, and it bounced out of his chest. I mean, it's in there already. You got to catch that, and those are the kind of plays that Mark Tavis is supposed to make. He's a three-catch guy. He's either going to get you three for 40, but if he's at his best, you know, he can get you three for 60 and get that long touchdown. That's what we need him to do. That's what he needs to do for his career, and it was kind of a bummer to see him drop that one, even though I acknowledge it's, it's a tricky one, but it's one that he's got to make. So,
1: so just going back to Juju for a second, the key, key reception in the third quarter, Steelers are driving down at the Tennessee 17 and it's third and 11. And he made, Ben made a, a short right pass to, to Juju for a 12, getting the first down and Juju took a hit. I mean, it was, gonna, it was, gonna, it was like in a vice and hung on to it. It's just emblematic of his uh, talent, and his, his value to the team.
2: I'm glad you mentioned that one. I meant to meant to mention that. That What a huge catch. Man. I don't know if we've had a guy since Hines who could make a catch like that, maybe besides Heath Miller. And I mean, he's not even a wide receiver. Situationally, it was huge. And just as a football player, incredible. He's, he really reminds me a lot of Hines Ward in a lot of ways. And I think Martavis had another third-down conversion, but also with that throw to Juju for that third-down conversion where he got ice cream sandwiched. He, I like how Ben is starting to find him on those little seam routes, those skinny posts on third down. He had another one against the Colts, and he had another one a couple weeks before against the Lions. So we finally are starting to see Ben attack that middle deep, or like that middle ten to fifteen yard part of the field. It looks like he's getting comfortable with Juju in that role. So good to see. For,
1: let's give uh, credit where credit's due. Martavis picked up that fumble by A. B. in the middle of the field to keep the drive alive. Oh yeah. Off.
2: That was awesome. I mean, those are the signs that show you that Martavis isn't a bad teammate. The outbursts are weird. Because if you look at his effort, every single game, he's given more effort than I had even seen him give prior to the suspension. And you know the guy's unhappy, so you have to respect that. I mean, he's made that pretty, pretty abundantly he's clear.
1: He's unhappy with the girlfriend. This is all coming from the girlfriend. Martavis she's a double just, agent. She's a double agent. You're from Cincinnati. You're from Midland. Wide receivers— B-minus. B minus. Let's move on to the offensive line, which has been pretty consistent this year, except for one game where DeCastro, the doppelganger of David DeCastro, showed up and isn't, didn't have quite the talent level. But um, 65 yards rushing, which is a 3.1-yard average. Mm. And we gave up three sacks, numerous pressures. And while you're commenting, I'm going to find out how many they were.
2: Oh, yeah, the offensive line, a little inconsistent. Now, you got to give the Titans credit because they have a lot of talent up front, and Dick LeBeau is, is great at that front seven type stuff. But we really need this offensive line to improve. Obviously, Gilbert being out is, is going to hurt. We We do like Hubbard, but Gilbert being out is going to hurt. And for whatever reason, I don't know if they've lost their edge, if other teams have had a season of film, of, of Le'Veon Bell domination where they've learned how to attack our run scheme a little bit better, but that offensive line needs to get their crap together a little bit more, particularly in the run game. I'll give them a pass on the pass protection, no pun intended, because they've been pretty great at that all year and, and for the past couple years, and that's what's going to keep Ben going. But they didn't do a great job with that this game, and, and we really know that they, they're struggling with that run game. They needed to get that up. Because like what we were saying before, like what I was saying with with Ben and being able to be multifaceted with this offense a la kind of Patriots style, you – in order to be able to pass and run or do whatever you want, you actually have to be able to run, which we haven't done very effectively. Le'Veon Bell is the NFL leader in rush yards, but that's pretty much just because he's the leader in carries. He doesn't even average four yards of carry. None of the top eight guys average less than four yards of carry except for Le'Veon. And I, I don't think a lot of that falls on him, to be honest with you. Did you find that pressures thing or?
1: Yeah, four uh five quarterback hits, actually. I didn't get the pressures anyway. But it was it yeah. was not it was not a stellar moment.
2: So the offensive
1: line yeah, offensive line gets a C C plus. Moving on to the tight ends, where um Five receptions for twenty-one yards. They were all the outlaw, weren't they?
2: Yes, the outlaw just tiptoeing into the flat and not getting any extra yards after the catch, and really not blocking anybody. So well, he's falling. I'm looking his at this and I'm feeling generous. Man, at least Heath would rumble for the extra two. Jesse just he can't even get an extra half yard.
1: I remember uh, Jesse's tried to leap several times, which I don't want him to do, but he's making he the effort. It.
2: Well, not this game. He for some reason, he catches those little arrow routes, which are just kind of when the receiver, the inside receiver tight end, he just kind of dips out into the flat just on a really short angle. you're it's basically just like a two yard route where you angle towards the sideline, and the quarterback uh, throws it to you kind of as a release valve. And for some reason, when he catches the ball, the guy runs him down and he tries to like hit him with the goose maverick move and, and put the brakes on him and go inside and really just Takes about four seconds to slow down and the guy just knocks him, topples him over like a giraffe. But if he just kept running towards the sideline and lower his shoulder or put a stiff arm or something, you could at least get take those two three yard gains and turn them into five yard gains. That's what we need from you, Jesse. He's we six. Don't seven. Need you to... you,
1: you, giraffe is so apropos. He's six seven. What six seven can guy can run like that?
2: We're lucky well, he's he, kept he hasn't been snapped in half. Well, he's stopping running. That's the thing. If you look at it, recently he's tried to get cute with this stuff. He catches the arrow. He's already running out towards the sideline, and he slows down. And, like, I don't know if he thinks that the guy's going to – No, so he's like, setting up for the wait, juke. Wait for it. Wait for it. I'm going to hit him with the pivot move. Throw on the brakes. <laughs> oh. Sweet move. Sweet move, bro, by the Penn State product there. We do have to give him some credit, though, for not screwing up the easiest touchdown of his life. Which I was actually pretty terrified of when it was coming towards him. I just always remember that first preseason game as a rookie. I don't know why I can't forgive he him. He can't for that. shake that. No, at least not on Steelers Outpost. In case you guys don't remember, he he dropped a touchdown in his first preseason game. Uh, it was that easy. It was as easy as that one. So I know he's capable of terrible things, but not on that play. Actually, he did a great job on that play. It was an awesome call by Haley. We'll probably mention that later again. Great call. We've been wondering why people don't, why we can't. Well, wow, we're the one team that doesn't have that play where you just slip the tight end out and maybe it does have something to do with the draft and his seven, eight, 40 time. But he did a great job selling the block. He took his time. He kind of ping ponged around in there, pinballed around in there and, and actually almost turned back to the quarterback, like really committing to the block. And then he just he slipped out. And that's the kind of subtle type of stuff. Like, rookies might miss out on that type of subtlety. They might get eager that they're going on the pass route and just pass route and just kind of tap the guy that they're supposed to block and then go out. He sold the whole thing and really made it look like run, and then he just backpedaled in the end zone. So it was a good job on the nuance by the outlaw there. But overall, man, he's very slow, and he doesn't block very well. But we love him. We got to give him a grade of C.
1: Moving on to the head coach, Mike Tomlin. Uh, you pointed out at the top of the show that he pulled a, a page out of the Patriot play, playbook and took advantage of the Titans' weaknesses. A page out of the Patriot playbook, indeed. It's a lot of People are going to think there. we're
2: obsessed with the with, with the Patriots, and that's because we are. And it's not just because we have to play them, but, man, they they do everything right. I, I kind of hate it when people say they're like the Spurs of the NFL. The Spurs are the maybe the Patriots of the NBA. Come back when you've dominated like the Patriots have but they're really just just so far ahead in terms of coaching and strategy and what they do so it's kind of cool to be able to compare to them and you you see how they've won over the years and it's good to see hey the Steelers have the talent to be able to do that kind of stuff so it was nice to see Tomlin attack the Titans weakness particularly on a short week again as we have the issues with road favorite Tomlin team We have the anti-issues with primetime Tomlin, where the Steelers thrive, crush it again, love it. Love when your coach gets your team up when you're under the lights. Beautiful stuff. Got to give him credit for that. That's the culture of the team. I think he said after the game, what would he say? When the lights come on, the stars come out. Damn right.
1: Mike Tomlin gets an A. We'll wrap up the offensive overview with a – with Todd Haley, who, as you pointed out, attacked what he was giving, uh, I put and I I made the observation that no huddle seemed to work really well.
2: Yeah, well, this is the first time like a year where they've had the confidence to just ignore the run. Some people might think that Le'Veon Bell got shut down with the twelve carries and forty six yards, but no, nah, we didn't even try to run with them. That wasn't the plan. We'll we'll play that game all day. We know you're going to sell out to stop the run, and we know you're, that you're not that good at stopping the pass. So we're going to pass it all of you. He called some creative plays. I liked the call on the red zone to Jesse. That was a new type of red zone play we hadn't seen in a while. I like how he's being aggressive when we get on that 10-yard line. We talked about that last week. Just throw when you're on the 10-yard line. For whatever reason, Ben does better from the 10 than from the 5. Yeah,
1: if we get it down to the 3, let's go for that delay of game call because that seems to work out better for us.
2: This is the kind of Tommy Ball... Creative, experimental thinking that the Steelers need to start taking more seriously.
1: The contrarian thinking.
2: Yeah, but once you go from the... You don't want to go from the 10 to the 15. The 10 to the 9, that's the sweet spot. Fair. So I thought that he called a great game. And the boys, they executed well. Haley gets a grade of A. a.
1: So let's move into the defense. Defensive
2: um, grades.
1: We're gonna, uh, so first we'll start with Keith Butler. We'll start with uh, my... Observation is that he down, dialed down the pressure from the off defensive line. I don't think it was a matter of, I mean, and the defense clearly got to, to Mariota a few times, but as I was watching the game for the second time, I think they put the brakes on, and maybe it was a matter of containing Mariota, but either way, it was effective. The Titans rushed for basically no yards during the game.
2: Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, besides that one touchdown run, which was very close to not being a touchdown, Mariota never really broke the pocket and made a big run, which is such a huge part of his game. So give credit to to, – I almost said give credit to Dick LeBeau. Wrong wrong sideline. I'll give it to him anyways. He's a great man. But give credit to Butler for getting his defense disciplined like that and give credit to the defense for executing it. Well, I wonder if that
1: also tied into the fact that I didn't see a lot of blitzing this game. I mean, no blitzing. And um, maybe it was part of the same strategy to 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 worry about more contain than pressure. Anyway, we're going to give Keith Butler an A-minus.
2: A-. Why don't we move on to the defense now? Uh, speaking of some of that lack of pressure uh, and not blitzing a ton, it's a great game plan because you want to make someone like Mariota, who's very talented, But he's not necessarily the most polished pocket passer. You want to make him beat you through the air and do that and present that challenge. Hey, can you sustain 10 play drives and just carve apart our zone? If you're asking Tom Brady, the answer is yes. If you're asking Ben Roethlisberger, apparently the answer is yes as well. Now, thank God. But against Mariota, just don't let him scramble for those big plays. They held the Titans, like you said, to no rushing, 2.5 yards per carry, 50% of the drives resulted in 10 yards or less. It's pretty awesome. The four interceptions, the five sacks. Obviously, the big bugaloo would be the long touchdowns. Steelers got to cut that out, man. But if they, if they do cut that out and some of those explosive pass plays that the other teams are getting, man, they're going to be unstoppable. But. They're not yet, because they give those up on a very regular basis. There are four explosive plays in this game. So we'll
1: give the defense an A-. minus. A-. Moving on to the defensive line. Again, I, uh, I noticed a, a palpable lack of pressure, but not, not from the defensive line as much as from uh, outli- outside linebackers in the corners. The defensive line tallied four sacks, six quarterback hits, and four tackles for loss. A loss. So Cameron Hayward, I don't what year is Cam in sixth, or seventh uh, year? Just read the thing on to Report today. He
2: was drafted in third no.
1: Please continue and I'll find out.
2: 13. Well, it's around that like sixth, seventh, or eighth or something like yeah, maybe eighth. That seems too late. But regardless, the guy's having a breakout year. I mean, he's been a good player for a little while. I mean, I wouldn't have been mad if he made a Pro Bowl recently in the past few years, but I, I wasn't upset when he didn't make it either. He's just a very good Player for the Steelers, but now the guy's a legitimate contender for Defensive Player of the Year. He, it's crazy to see a guy improve, take such a leap at this stage in his career. I like usually you see them go from rookie to sophomore year or that sophomore year to third year and really establish themselves. But he's had kind of like an Antonio Brown type progression where he played well as a rookie and then the second and third years just got better and better and then it's kind of exploding now in, in the middle section of his career. He's the man. I mean, he's competing with A.B. and maybe Shazier for the Steelers MVP for this year. He had another sack with one arm this, this week. That's like two weeks in a row, I think. Or, or maybe it was from another game. But, yeah, Cam is awesome. it has really been emerging again. He seems healthy. And the depth along the defensive line has looked pretty good. I think Lt Walton got
1: a sack. L.T. Walton got a sack. Um, Cam was first-round draft pick out of Ohio State in 2011. Okay. There you go. There you go. Defensive line, A+. Plus. A+. Plus. Moves us to the inside linebackers. Uh, totaled 17 tackles, one sack, and three quarterback hits. I thought they, they gave great pressure when asked to and um, squashed the part of the run squashing um, tentacles of the defense.
2: Love it. Poetic. Did Vince have a sack? I'm blanking.
1: Vince did not have a sack
2: was the one with the one sack today? It's
1: had a sack.
2: Man, wow, he's a great rusher of the pass. Well, yeah. I didn't remember Shazier having one. I did remember somewhere in there, Vinny, having that. The man knows how to blitz. What a great perk of getting him as the starter, man. I mean, he's not quite Lawrence Timmons, but there really has not been a big drop-off, and he is a better pass rusher than Lawrence Timmons. Crazy. He, 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 I don't know what his streak is. It's been a bunch of games in a row. So Vince has played well, and Shazir giveth, and Shazier taketh away because he missed a bunch of tackles, and he made a bunch of tackles. Ten combined, five solo, five assists. He's the man. It would be nice. Sort of like how we talk about Benny, like we don't need you to hit every deep ball. Just hit a couple more during the game. If Shazier could just hit one or two more of those tackles behind the line, then that would significantly change the outcome of the game. Those are probably – if he makes those tackles, those three, four, five-yard losses, the odds of the other team having a punt goes up probably exponentially. I'm not going to look up those numbers. I'm just going to use common sense there. And those are big game changers. So he just needs a – we need a little bit more from him to see him kind of realize his his full potential. But, hey, he covers a lot of mistakes, and he's the big play guy like we haven't had since Troy.
1: Well, I just wanted to jump on the Vince the Vince bandwagon and extol some more virtues. I mean he's a renaissance man. He had seven combined tackles, six by himself, or I'm sorry, six tackles, one sack, two tackles for loss, and three quarterback hits. Shazier doesn't even tally that many, so Vince Williams is all over the field.
2: Didn't he have like 17 or 19 tackles against the Ravens? I mean, we were all excited about Vinny for a couple years because he had to step in for Shazier a lot over the years, and whenever he did, he's just a tackling machine, it's kinda of funny. I haven't seen him have that giant of a game yet tackling, but he's
1: he does really everything. rounding
2: into a great player. Yeah. yeah. I mean he's he's a great clarinetist. He's a whittler. He's not a bad calligraphist either. So
1: A minus a- for the
2: inside linebackers. Now we're going to do the
1: outside linebackers.
2: Oh right, those guys. There's not a lot to talk about here. <laughs> I will give them credit for containing Mariota, though, on the bright side. Um, There were some times when Derrick Henry was able to bounce it to the outside and made our defenders look like children. That was a little upsetting. But they didn't have a lot of opportunities to rush the passer like like we've seen all season. They don't really know how to beat their guys one-on-one. I really am starting to get a little bit concerned about Bud. I mean, I wouldn't say concerned as him as a liability, but just, man, the guy was not reaching potential. Yeah, he's not. I expected him to, to get a little better this year. I mean, he's a physical freak, but it's just, we need to see more from him and I'm getting a little bit nervous. I was hoping that you'd see it probably by this point in the season, him starting to heat up and he's had flashes for sure. Like that Bengals game, he had a couple of good ones, but TJ Watt, you know, he's a rookie. He's doing some good things. He's obviously covers really well, but we, we just need to see a little bit more from Bud. But overall, they were solid. They were reliable.
1: Well, Bud, Bud spent a lot of time dropping back into coverage, too. I mean, again, he, he's kind of getting handled when he's rushing. He, he has the same move up the, over the top and doesn't get there. Again, we'll mention that he needs two more inches on his reach. Um, what's kind of faded over? I mean, he, he came out like a shooting star, and he's faded a little bit. But, you know, as you pointed out, he's a rookie, and he, he's more than adequate and we'll have a he had a spectacular play on special teams so we'll mention it in a little bit but we are going to give the outside linebackers a b
2: b indeed now let's move to the cbs the cornerbacks the dogs of this team they were not awesome because they're not awesome so i where do you start here it was pretty awesome to see another actual athletic interception by a cornerback when Sensabaugh jumped that route it was kind of an instance of Marcus Mariota. By the way, who who was doing the broadcast? Because he says Mariota. Marcus oh, yeah. Mariota. <laughs> Just, dude, lay off the T. Like, it's weird. It's kind of creeping me out. It, it makes looks- you wonder if like Mariota's mom or agent called him, like, he wants to be called Mariota.
1: Guy's from Canada.
2: Yeah, well, what are you gonna do? Regardless, that was a nice pick by by Sensiba, even though Mariota stared down that guy and, and said, I'm passing it to him. Even Sensabaugh said, man, I was surprised he threw it. He looked right at me. But it was a nice one. What was the interception? We saw one a week or two ago also saying, like, hey, that was an actual cornerback interception. Well, those are those are starting to happen more. Now, in the same way that Shazir is an Indian giver a little bit, Sensabaugh giveth and Sensabaugh taketh away. That was a horrible job. It just showed why he's a backup cornerback. He's not athletic or fast enough to keep up with Rashard Matthews. Rashard with an eye
1: plays 20 yards or more and we allowed another seven passes between 10 and 20 yards I broke down the uh Mariota's directional passing he was 10 for 11 when throwing to the left 91 percent completion rate when throwing into Artie's zone so Artie was uh clearly they were a little worried about another long pass reception on it. He spent most of the time 11 yards off of his receiver. So that might be a reason that the seam was open um, to the left.
2: Yeah, obviously we're not going to, we can't pin all 10 of those completions completely on Artie, but he's definitely the big reason for that. And, and like we said with Bud, but to, to a larger extent, Artie's concerning. It, he really made some strides over the course of the end of last year, but, He's not terrible, but, man, he's not hes not progressing like we hoped he would for an athlete of his caliber. Now, there's not a lot to say there. You, you really need to see him step it up a little bit. The corners did make some good plays, and and I think that was him who tipped it, who made a really nice play in trail technique when he tipped it, and then Golden got his interception at the end. So that's nice. You are seeing him, him make some plays, but you need a little more. Those Titans receivers aren't exactly cream of the crop.
1: Cornerbacks get a C plus, which moves plus. us on to the safety. Um, Goldie sold in. Uh wouldn't say admirable. I, well, I think he would have an okay game. You mentioned his interception, eight tackles, two interceptions, and uh, two passes
2: defended. No, so, I think he only had one interception. Okay, well, we can check that. Sensabaugh had one. Golden. The silver Hilton bullet had one. Davis, Sean Davis. Yeah, so Davis had interception. And Golden had one. Oh, so the safeties total had two, but right. one, one for each of them. Is that Sean so, Davis' first interception? I don't know. I don't know. But
1: um, on the f- first of the se- two possessions in the second half, Golden seemed to be helping the wrong guy. And I, I don't know if I'd pinned that on or not, but I mean that resulted in the 70-yard touchdown pass because Sensibaugh had no help. Um, skinny pass, skinny pattern into the middle of the field. It was one-on-one. That was a fade to complete. And on the second time, when Golden got turned around on the 42-yard pass down the middle with Delaney Walker, not only did Robert Golden get turned around, totally missing uh, defense, but once again, Sean Davis bounced off of Walker. And uh, they needed a little help to, I think it was Vince Williams who ran all the way back there to eventually tackle him.
2: Too many missed tackles by Sean Davis. He's another one with Shazier. If you just make a couple more of those tackles, then you're going to be in a really good position. He, he started off the year really slow, and he's, he's made some great plays in the past couple weeks, but he misses way too many tackles. And Golden, frankly, simply, straight up, he's a liability in pass coverage. That's not going to change. We just need him to at least make the freaking tackle after the 60-yard passes instead of bouncing off guys. So safeties, they're okay. Hopefully Mike Mitchell gets back there soon. Mike Mitchell's. You know, the best of the safeties right now, and uh, hopefully sooner rather than later, right? We're going to give the safeties a grade of C. So we're introducing a new spot,
1: <laughs> which we have omitted over the first not 10 every episodes. Week,
2: but you'll get it this
1: week. Uh, special teams. And you have to know, because there were some fun plays. Uh, obviously, the block field goal, TJ Watt, was just a pile driver. He would not be denied and got that hand up there, probably breaking his ring finger, but uh blocking field yeah. goal was fun to watch.
2: <laughs> he was shaking his hand on the sideline. He said like that really hurt. He he said that was the first block field goal he's ever had at any level of football. And he was tired of JJ bragging about it. So he wouldn't he got himself one Poor so JJ. Kickoff coverage was uh was was really
1: good. other than the one thirty six yard return. The uh average spot mm. of the ball was twenty yards, so I thought kickoff coverage was uh more than adequate. And one of the one of the undiscovered talents on the team, a multitasker, was
2: Boswell. After the field goal, he kicked off,
1: and he was the guy who made the tackle. Yeah.
2: Took matters into his own hands. No, in all seriousness, never do that again. Please, boss, just let him score. I still have shades of Squishy, a.k.a. Sean Swee, some of the best kicker in Steelers history. Hopefully, Bos can outdo him there. He's already on a good path. but. Squishy uh, try to make that tackle in the Hall of Fame game against the Packers and now his career is over so just don't tackle him
1: So we're at the end of the show. Let's take a look forward to the Steelers Packers game on Sunday at midnight I'm, sorry 830 same thing,
2: right? Well, the Packers are absolutely terrible So the Steelers are probably win this one by one in the final play of the game but no in all seriousness again Hopefully the Steelers really take care of business. Baltimore just shut these guys out. And speaking of Baltimore, Baltimore's back on the swing of things. They're in the run for a playoff spot now. They are healthy on defense. We know how incredible that defense can be, especially when they have the big world eater Brandon Williams back in there. But after the after the Packers game where the Steelers will take care of business, I fully expect them to. They got We got to play the Bengals and we got to play the Ravens. Neither one of those is a cakewalk. And then obviously you got the, paid, the big Patriots game after that. And then you got the Texans without Deshaun Watson and you got the Browns. Now, the rest of the Patriots schedule is pretty much a cakewalk. It's all interdivisional games against that crap fest. And the Jaguars are only one game behind the Steelers at 7-3 and they got the tiebreaker over the Steelers and their schedule isn't exactly difficult either. So, not to end on a on a nervous note, but let's be happy. The Steelers look like they're poised and ready to go, but there's actually some pretty stiff competition for that number one or two seed. that's not quite locked up yet. Steelers need to take care of business against the Packers and then in their division and then come what may against the Patriots.
1: So please communicate with us. We give you multiple channels to talk to us. Visit us on wwwsteelersoutpost.com Drop us an email, gmail.com. And now the new Means of Communications, our Twitter handle, which you could probably guess what it is. Yeah, go for it. So anyway, uh, we want to wish everybody a happy Thanksgiving. Thanks for joining us, and we hope to join you do join us again next week. And until then, see ya.
2: Okay, bye bye.
0: There's no distance too far for the perfect trip.